Hello and welcome to Heroes Unmasked, staff stories from Leeds Teaching Hospital's NHS Trust with me, Caroline Verdon. Here's a question for you. What do world-class Mahjong players and professional footballers have to do with Leeds Teaching Hospitals? Answer? They all work for the hospitals. This series goes behind the scenes to meet directors, doctors, support staff and everyone in between to find out who the people behind the masks really are. Hello and welcome to series two of Heroes Unmasked. We've got so many interesting people and interesting stories to talk about this series. And we're going to start off with Olivia Smarts, who is a trainee advanced clinical practitioner working in HPB, transplant and organ retrieval. But what a lot of people don't realise is that she is also a professional footballer. Olivia, thank you for joining me. Um, let's start off then with how your footballing career came about. Well, my dad's a massive Man United fan. My mum hates football. Um, and so my dad used to, obviously, like most dads do, watch football when we were younger and just roped us into it. And I'm a twin, so um, we were both we both used to watch it. So we were like, used to go out um, watching him and his friends play football. So we were about six or seven and I joined the local boys team because at that point there was no I'm knocking on a bit now so there was no girls team um where we live and access to football was um wasn't great so we joined the local boys team um and I used to my grants um cut them out of the newspaper um I used to score a fair few goals and make headlines in the Yorkshire Evening Post and it's quite good actually um and my dad was like, actually, I think you're pretty good at this. And about nine, we started playing for the school team. There was a scout from Leeds United came to watch a boy in my year at school. So they came to watch one of our school team games. We were playing at uh, our primary school and my grandma was, was there watching. And my mum was, I, I remember my mum was there and she was like, hurry up at the end because she wanted to go. And this guy from Leeds United came over and was like speaking to me and um, and then he came over with me to speak to my mum. And then he just said, oh, we'd like to invite her down to come and um, join the academy or at least trial. Because um, Leeds United had a girls team at that point and the women's team was pretty successful, to be honest. Um, but I didn't know what the access to it was like. And at 11 at that point, girls had to stop playing um, football with boys. So I was approaching the age where I was going to have to stop playing anyway. Um, but obviously I was doing really well. So it was like going to be a bit of a shame. And um, so the, the scout um, got in touch with my mum and dad and then invited me down. And that was it, really. Um, I went for like a six week trial. And I remember you used to get a letter home um, to say whether you'd been accepted or not. And at like 10, you don't get mail, do you? And I remember having this letter posted that had my name on it and everything. And they were like, um, you're in. So I was like, oh. Great buzzing, and my dad was well excited. My mum was like, "Oh, for God's sake!" Because um, I remember it being like intense. We used to train three times a week, um, and then obviously I thought it was the best thing ever. Um, and then my sister trialed the next summer, and she got in as well. And we were doing really well actually. Um, then my sister had to stop playing. Um, she got injured, and then she had to stop playing about thirteen. But um, since then, yeah, that was it. Um, it was it was my dad really that encouraged me to play football but they were happy for us to to play any sport really they were supportive of anything but um I think I naturally had a bit of a talent because my dad was quite good at it um so yeah and that was that was how it all happened and obviously it's still a huge passion today 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I think you get to about 16, especially in women's football. You get to about 16 and everyone starts going out and finding relationships and you have exams at school and things like that. Um, And it does, I think it sets the ones who are going to give it up from the ones who are going to carry it on. Um, And then I think about 16, 15, 16, one of my coaches was like, I think you should go to America and play football. Obviously, sport in the US is massive, especially women's sport, and they push it a lot more than we do here. We, we're a lot better at it now than we were, but um, in the US, obviously, it's massive. Um, and I remember sitting down with my dad, and it being a bit of a one of the moments where I, I was a bit like, right, yeah, let's go. Um, but then now, my mum was like, you're a bit of a home bird, Olivia. I'm not really sure. Um, and I am really, and I did get it. And then uh, as parents, they were like, I think you need a job. <laughs> they were like, we don't want to have to pay for you two forever, um, which I do understand. I totally understand. But then equally, they were both like, if you want to go, go, go for it. Um, and a few of my friends that were like uh, the year group above me had gone and were having a great time. But I did think, oh, like, do I want to go to uni and have that experience here and then like spend some time with my friends and like 16 as a girl and I like, it's a very important time, isn't it? And um, I made the decision to stay at home, um, which was the right decision for me um, Like at the time. And um, I carried on playing football. And then obviously decide you, you have to decide on what career you want to do, don't you? And does football, is it a career for life? Well, no, it's not. And you could get injured tomorrow and never play again. Um, and that was the thing for me because my, my dad got injured quite he, he was about 16 he got injured and that was it he never played properly again so it was I think it, in his mind he was a bit like that could happen to you um but equally they were both supportive about it um so then I just carried it on and when I went to uni I had a year out of playing football just because you just need to like get your life sorted out don't you and then you got everyone goes out drinking and I think especially a career in healthcare you don't really have time your uni experience is totally different to just doing a a degree in in history or English or whatever um it's totally different you're actually working so I didn't have time for football um for a year and then spending a year away from it made me realize how much I missed it um and i and I just thought, you know, you you can be retired from football a very long time, but I want to play it as long as I can. Um, so I went back to Leeds with my tail between my legs and was like, oh, I'm thinking about probably wanting to play football again. And at the time, the manager was new. I didn't know him and he obviously didn't, didn't know me. Um, but it was like Leeds is a really open, like family-oriented club. So um, there were a lot of people that I knew that were still there. So he was like, yeah, come down, you'll have to trial. Um, you're not just going to walk back in and kind of, like that kind of thing. So I was like, all right, fine. Um, so yeah, I trialed and got in. I've not stopped. That must have been quite um, nerve wracking having to retrial yeah. because obviously if you didn't get in, that would have been yeah, hugely upsetting, but also humiliating. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, I remember thinking, what if he thinks I'm rubbish? Um, but a lot of the people that, were there I did know and then obviously I was like I have some belief in being pretty good um I'm not I'm still not bad at it and obviously I did I did a year out but I'd kept up my fitness and I think that's a massive thing in football um 
So when I went back and he said, oh, yeah, we'd like to like invite you down to come to training and stuff, I was glad. Um, it was a massive relief. But then I did realise, like, Leeds is where I want to be. I didn't want to go off and play for someone else. Um, I've always played for Leeds, and I just thought, oh, it might be time to hang up my boots at that point if I didn't get in. But um, luckily I did, and here we are. And what sort of opportunities has it given you playing for Leeds? Well, obviously Leeds is now a Premier League club, isn't it? Um Growing up, Leeds was a Premier League club and then um, we got demoted and demoted and demoted. Um, and that wasn't great, but I stayed at Leeds at that time and um, the the women's team suffered a bit, but then there were a lot of people around it that helped out. Um, so Leeds is great. Um, they've always been involved in the women's team, um, apart from that period of time that they had where they weren't, but it was understandable why they weren't. Um, and it's so family-orientated, you know, obviously... Um, you get to meet so many people around the club and the boys are like friends. Um, I was with them yesterday morning and everyone's like, morning, Liv, and like high-fiving everyone. And you're just like, it's it's so nice to be around them. Um, we get to go into community a lot, you know, speak to a lot of kids that are maybe thinking about playing football, some girls that are like, oh, should I play football? Should I not play football? Like that kind of thing. Um, be out in the community as well and I think it's a really good like link with the hospital um, it's been quite nice for me to get involved in both sides of my role um, but Leeds do a lot for the community as well um, in Leeds obviously it's a city with only one football club which is quite unusual um, so they do a lot around the, the community as well so it's nice you just get to I've, I've met so many people through football um, it's been excellent I mean you, you can kind of think oh you know you, you play football you play football but yeah it is so much bigger than that oh yeah yeah it's massive yeah um and especially like during covid times um obviously football for us stopped but football for the men didn't stop but then obviously um people couldn't go out and watch it um but a lot of people you know struggled um the food and things that leads had ordered for matches they um sent us all out on food banks and we were giving out food and things like that so obviously like the things that people don't see um that they do as a club um that they get us involved in which is excellent and going into schools and talking to kids about football like I could sell it to I could sell it to anyone because it's excellent um (laughs) but it's such a nice thing because these kids are in awe of you and um it's excellent you know like when we when we play on a weekend there's girls from clubs that are around our community and they're just in awe of us. Can you sign my shirt? And like, can we have a picture with you? And like, mum and dad, like, they think you're famous. Um, but it's just, it's just brilliant. Honestly, I've met so many people, um, and being involved in so many projects that Leeds have got involved in over the years, it's been amazing. And how much time does it take? Because surely there is a lot of work, not just training, <laughs> but you know, yeah. S- aside from that too. Yeah, keeping fit. Um, takes up most of my life to be honest um I treat my house like a hotel and go home to sleep <laughs> that's it um yeah training takes up the time but you enjoy the training because that's the that's the part of it that you're wanting to do I mean don't get it wrong sometimes you don't enjoy training in adverse weather but um yeah it does you know like but I feel like it's um it's a gift for me to be able to go out into community and speak to kids. You know, not many people are given the opportunity to be able to do that or are put on that platform. So for me, it's never a burden. Um, that's always great. Running in snow and wind and rain to keep yourself fit to be able to go play matches is not the most ideal thing. And I think over COVID, it, obviously, 
like exacerbated the fact that we were so without football. Um, we were set Strava runs to do, and the competition was always still there. And the great the girls kept in touch every day and stuff, and that was all great. Um, but it's just it's it was real. That was hard. That was a hard time um, to get used to. Because I suppose that was minus, you know, that that time when you were at university and obviously had other things to sort of occupy you. Um, that would have been the only time in your life, really, that you wouldn't have had that that team. Yeah, 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 it was. Um, it was an unusual environment. Obviously, we were all, look. I, I find myself lucky to be able to say I got to be able to get up and go out to work. I had a routine. I kept my routine, um, which in the circumstances wasn't great. But then mentally, it helped me. Um, a lot of people that were at home, I don't know how they did it, um, you know, that didn't have a routine, were all of a sudden kept within the four walls and confined to their own back gardens and for some people not even that. Um, that was that was a really hard time for everyone. Um, everyone had to adjust so quickly and I think a lot of people did it so well. So um, for me, adjusting to be able to go out for a run rather than go to football training with a group of girls was was hard but not not difficult at all in any sense and they were all great they all obviously knew what I was doing at work and they all kept in touch every day and kept checking in and the people are wonderful aren't they and you you find out in in really awful times how great um human beings really are because I, uh, am I right that that you were one of the first to, to volunteer to work the covid wards yeah yeah I was yeah in our in the the way that we work in the in transplant services in Leeds, obviously that continued. Um, so the transplant service um, carried on, but um, I felt like I could offer something. I, I don't have kids, so I was in a position to give up more of my time. And obviously, football stopped, so I had more free time. And I, I don't luckily don't have any health conditions, so I felt like I would rather put myself in a position where I could. Um, offer my help than some of my colleagues that would have been in a more difficult position um, and it it wasn't something that anybody wanted to do but nobody wasn't willing at all everybody was was just um, willing to help which was great and I was just another one of them people. It must have been um, pretty terrifying especially early on when you didn't you didn't know what to expect and you didn't know what was going to happen or you know what would help what wouldn't help when it was all sort of early days walking into that sort of day one yeah yeah the f- I do remember the first shift I mean it feel it so weirdly feels like it was about 10 years ago um which is bizarre I just and when I when I think about it I feel like it was such a distant memory um and I don't know whether that's just because your brain puts it to the back of your mind or tries to forget about it. But I do remember the first shift and I left home and it was a night shift. I was like, it'll be fine. Like, And I remember um, everyone at home was like, oh, Liv, are you going to be all right? Like, let us know if you're not okay, if you don't want to do it. And I was like, oh, it's not even a question, it's fine. Like, And then I remember being on the way to work thinking, don't really know what to expect and walking into a shift and not knowing what to expect is not an unusual thing in a hospital sometimes that does happen and the environment that we work in like that's not unusual but knowing that you didn't know what to expect was a bit bizarre um so I remember getting changed um and meeting one of the anaesthetists I actually know really well um and we were both getting changed together um and we were being taught to put 
um, like extra layers of gloves on, extra gowns on, taping your gloves to your hands. And that was all weird. So giving yourself like an extra layer of skin. And then you were then putting um, to like a mask, goggles, visor, extra gown. So as you can imagine at that point, the weather was pretty good. Um, it was pretty damn warm. And um, it was like, okay, yeah, all right, let's go. And then we, I remember opening the door into the um, makeshift ward. So where I did my shifts was on was in the theatre block, but the um, beds were being put into the recovery area. So it was like a makeshift ICU, but it looked excellent. It looked exactly like an ICU. And I just remember thinking, oh, my God, it's a war zone. It literally was a war zone. That's the only way I could ever like think of it. And then we just got on with it. Um, got on with a shift and I did three night shifts the first week that I was on the on the COVID ward and I just I didn't really think about it at all at the time um, but I do specifically remember thinking if someone told me I was in the middle of a war zone now I would believe them I would have believed them um, yeah it was pretty terrifying how do these two parts of you marry up how do they um <laughs> help you know help each other um I think and un- unless you play a team sport you I don't know if you would understand that what that gives you is the biggest relief so for 90 minutes when you're playing football you don't think about anything else like nothing there's whether there's been a death in the family, whether there's COVID going on, whether you're the ha- you got married the day before, you don't think about it because you you can't. Um, so exercise, specifically football, and for me, obviously, and, and a team sport give you this massive relief to be able to deal with whatever else goes on in your life. Um, so I think that helps the other part of my life, which is obviously obviously work I mean I think I get to see my friends about twice a year so in between all that but um they help as well to be fair um but yeah I'm very well looked after at work um this trust does an amazing job in looking after its staff and um especially my team and my management are great with that and um I was well looked after but I think they both do marry up the relief that I get from football and the laugh that I get to have and the social helps me come to work and just deal with whatever's going on um do you I think, think it kind of works <laughs> do you think you could do um your you know your your day-to-day job without football um I think mentally for me because I've done it for so long I would probably find it different to how I find it now um I think I take most things in my stride as a person but I think a lot of that has come from football and the the way that I, you are managed as a player, the way that you're managed as a teammate, the way that you have to manage other teammates, um, the positions that you're in because of it. Um, so I do feel like that's made me into the person that I am or has, has certainly helped do that. So I think, yeah, inevitably, um, it's helped me in my, my job, definitely, and I think it does every day. 
Olivia, thank you so much for chatting to me. It's been so interesting to find out about these two huge careers and how they work together. Uh, Coming up on the next episode, we speak to George Twig, who is the Clinical Trials Coordinator at Leeds' Clinical Research Facility. Um, What a lot of people don't know about him is that whilst the rest of us were making banana bread during lockdown... He was just trying out a new hobby, and that was Mahjong. And despite the fact that he'd never played before, he ended up playing in the World Championships. We'll find out more about that in our next episode. Heroes Unmasked is an Under the Mast audio production.